the first thing we want to ask, well, first thing we want to do is read the verse, Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And this verse is a verse that uh, is encouraging, and yet it's also kind of like, now wait a minute, does it really say that? <laughs> Did it really say that like we can have whatever we want? Um, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but I think the main point of this verse is the main point of the lesson. Uh, lesson number one is about prayer and faith. Prayer and faith. Uh, it is important as we pray to, to trust the Lord and to come to faith about what we're praying for. Now, we don't necessarily believe that we can command God and he gives us whatever we want. You know, some people take this verse and bend it all sorts of different ways. So they, hey, Mark eleven twenty four, God, give me this, and God, give me that, and I believe, and, and uh, it kind of becomes a selfish thing and a, and a power thing. And so there's certainly abuses here, but I think for many of us, um, maybe we're afraid of Mark eleven twenty four. We're, we're afraid of going too far with it. And, and so therefore, we don't go far enough. And so we want to be biblical. We want to be balanced. But we don't want to take the teeth out of the passage either. And if the Bible says, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them, that, 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 hey, that, that means something, all right? We don't want to take the teeth out of it. It means if we are walking with God, and praying by faith, he will lead us in prayer. He's going to guide us according to what we should pray for. And as we pray by faith, God hears and does, uh, he does answer. Uh, so we'll talk about prayer and faith here, here tonight. As we get started, let me ask you this. How necessary is prayer? How necessary is prayer? Is that in your, is that, do you see these questions or am I just the only one with those? Okay, you don't have those, okay. It's a must. It's a must. Uh, well, but why? God knows everything, right? God's in control, right? Yes. You know, I always thought it was interesting. He never said, if you pray. The only thing he ever said is when you pray. So he knew that at a point, everybody's going to get to a point where they're going to have to pray. It's going to be necessary to pray, compelled uh, to pray. But uh, yeah, I don't think... You know, I don't think the Lord, you know, in his earthly ministry focused on much other, you know, much more than prayer. Actually, hell, a lot on hell, but also prayer was huge. So, yeah. him being God, if he needs it, obviously I need to be doing it, and more of it. That's actually Right. Yeah, the book is The Necessity of Prayer, so obviously we're talking about it's necessary. But it is an interesting thing to consider. Why is it necessary to pray? God's got this, right? Don't we believe in God's getting control and God is sovereign and all these things? Like I always went back to Jesus praying. Jesus is God. And if Jesus was praying, yeah. then it's necessary. Yeah. That's good. Absolutely. Jesus prayed. Al said, alluded to that as well. Uh, Jesus prayed. He taught his disciples to pray. So it is necessary. Uh, any other thoughts, though, as to, yes? from you because he knows your heart but you, you got to speak to him he can read your mind he knows what you're thinking and what before you even ask him before you even pray for it yeah but he wants to know if you're responding to him or not 
shows you day by day. I mean, it's just, like I said, faith is just huge. And if you mean, you, you got to trust the Lord that he's, he's always there for you no matter yeah. what. He's never going to leave you. He's always going to stand by your side. But we need to ask. Yes. Tells you that too. You, I like what you said there at the beginning. Um, he wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear it from you. Yeah, Al. Also, the other thing that comes to mind is this is how I kind of separate it out in my head is there's this perfect will that's going to happen. Like Jesus died on the cross. Nothing can interfere with it. That was going to happen. But then there's, there's another line where we can actually affect it. And you see this with Abraham praying to, uh, or, yeah talking to the, you're really praying to the Lord and well when they had that communication there about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. and he got him all the way down to 10 I, I personally believe he could have gone down to 5 and God probably could have spared Sodom and Gomorrah or 4 or 3 whatever um, but yeah it seems like there's uh, like he's willing to um, you know listen and respond um, if it's within his will but he has this, this permissive will, and then he has this perfect will. Perfect will can it, be effective. It's hard, to, it's hard to, to perfectly articulate all of these concepts. You know, his sovereignty and free will, we could be here all night trying to reconcile those things, and that's not the purpose, of course. But the, 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 the point is basically this. God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. And you see it even with the gospel. The angels could preach the gospel and probably do a pretty good job, you know. Uh, Maybe better than me, uh, Michael the archangel, Gabriel, uh, I'm sure they do a good job. Uh, But no, that's not their job. Our job is to give the gospel. He could have saved people any other way. Uh, Write it in the sky. Uh, He sent a star for the wise men, right? Right. that could be the way people get saved. You get your own personal star and God leads you. I'm not trying to get weird here, but uh, he didn't do it that way. He, he sent us with our mouths. He wants us to be involved. And same with prayer. He wants us to be involved. And, and uh, we don't understand, you know, we live in time. God inhabits eternity. So how do we interact as time-bound individuals with a timeless God? our brain blows again. But we look in the scripture and we say, God works everything together for good. Sins, he works together for good. I mean, you look at where Jesus came from and he came from a line of a bunch of sinners. uh, And the the bottom line is he can work us into his plan. Our prayers come into his plan. uh, and, and, And he has made it so that our prayers do make a difference. We have to come down to that. If you don't get anything out of this lesson, one thing you got to get out of this lesson is prayer makes a difference and that's why it's necessary. It's not just, is it the word perfunctory? Uh, you know, just something that you just do. It is, it's actually making a difference. Yes? That's in this word. You have not because you ask not. Absolutely. And so I think that when you can fall into this, what's going to happen is going to happen and kind of going so far on the, uh, not to start controversy, but so far on the Calvinistic kind of prayer that's why it's all just, it's all just, you know, for not. It's just formal formalism, and um, it's not true. You have not because you ask not. And yeah. and if you fall into this fatalistic sort of attitude about prayer, I think that that's, you know, that's that's not faith. That's so that is where we yes. get in trouble. We've got to hold all of these things in perfect tension. 
you know, his, his sovereignty and free will and uh, his, the will of God, and yet we're supposed to pray and interact. It all has to be held in tension, and it can be difficult. But prayer is necessary. Bottom line is, uh, as it points out here, uh, he tells us to pray without ceasing. I mean, if it wasn't a big deal, why would he tell us to pray without ceasing? Uh, what does he tell us to do when we are facing temptation? Pray when you face temptation, all right? Uh, when you are not praying, that's referred to as sin. It's a sin to not pray. Um, prayer is so necessary that it is seen as the access to his power. Uh, so we need to see the necessity, as the book is titled, The Necessity of Prayer. Um, I'm, I want to ask this as well. Whoops, let me get over the right page here. What are your biggest obstacles to prayer in your personal life? What are your biggest obstacles? Al? Yeah, I think Jason hit on that too. You know, I think we're all kind of lulled into that sense that, you know, it's going to happen. It doesn't really matter. You don't need to pray. But, you know, that kind of begs the question, are there going to be things that are left undone because we didn't ask mm -hmm. for them? I think yeah. the answer to that is yes. Absolutely. So maybe one of the obstacles is just a fatalism or a spiritual laziness, passivity. Passivity, yeah. Well, there are other obstacles for you in, in prayer. Prayer is a very unnatural thing to do, and it, it does take exercise. Um, you can grow in it and all that. I mean, I understand all that, but yeah. it's because we're self-dependent, it's hard to do that. You know, I mean, it's not a natural thing. I don't know about hard, but it's not a natural thing to do that. Yeah, we're humans. We get tired. I don't know about you, but in the morning, when I'm trying to pray, I, I'm telling you what, I am glad that the Bible says the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered because I don't know what I'm saying half the time in the morning. I mean, I get up and I'm praying. Next thing I know, I'm like, what did I just pray? <laughs> you know, my mind's all... And I don't know how you guys get. When I get tired, my mind is jumbled up. Uh, is anybody else like that? I mean, I can't, in my mind, I'm praying, and then I, like, wake up, and I'm like, I don't know where I was. Uh, a, a friend of mine used to call that dwelling in Beulah land, where you think you're praying, but you're somewhere else. Uh, you know, there's, that, that's a difficulty. It's an obstacle to prayer. So sometimes what I have to do is I have to stand up, or I have to change positions, or I have to pray out loud. That, that to me, helps me the most. That's the single most helpful thing for my prayer life is praying out loud. Can't always do that with kids around and stuff. But I pray out loud in the car. I pray out loud in the shower. I pray out loud in my devotions if I can, if the, you know, if it's not kids all over the place. If I'm up early enough and I can pray. Uh, but, but, you know, there are, there are things, there are practical things that we'll talk about in the lessons as well. Yes, we're going to say something? Yeah. yeah uh, just busyness. You know, yeah. I have a hard enough time sitting down to do anything but the alone prayer. Yeah. But I think, um, I don't remember who said it, that prayer is the greater work. Mm. You know, I mean, sometimes you think of all the things you need to do, but when you really stop and think about it, nothing's more important than prayer. Teaching, for me, teaching the kids and doing stuff, if, if I spent more time praying for them, probably make uh, all the other things. Mm. Not, not, not to say that we don't need to do stuff, but I'm just saying um, there's nothing more important than spending time in prayer. Amen. I'll brag on my wife here for a minute. She's got a card box, like a recipe card box, 
and it's her prayer box. All of her prayer cards are in there for different days of the week and different topics and so forth. And uh, I was, I've been envying her prayer box. I want her to make one for me. <laughs> uh, at least get the, the bones and I'll put the meat on the bones. But sometimes you just need a tool like that. It's a tool to help you. Your mind gets off. Wait, where was I? Right here. Get back to what you're praying for. Oh, I thought I saw, I saw a hand. No, okay. Distractions. Yes, absolutely. Distractions, man. And if you've got kids getting up, Rebecca and I try to get up before the kids and have our time with the Lord, but then the kids get up and then the dog and everything. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> there are a lot of obstacles. Satan doesn't want us praying. He knows how necessary this is. And uh, it's amazing how he fights our prayer time. That, that's a really good thought. Um, when you were talking about not praying, sin brought to mind in the book of Samuel, um, first yeah. Samuel, God forbid, forbid that I should sin against God and cease to pray for you. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, God forbid that I would sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. And a lot of times we don't see our prayerlessness as sinfulness. But uh, it certainly is. So uh, point number one is the starting point of faith. The starting point of faith. Where does a life of answered prayer begin? Well, Mark eleven twenty four 24 is, is our, our verse, our starting point. Uh, it starts with faith, okay? Um, and there's three points in this verse. The extent of prayer is found in this verse. What things soever. So in other words, you can pray about anything. You can trust the Lord for anything. Anybody to be saved. Any need to be met, physical or other, you know, spiritual. Whatever need. The extent of prayer is, is, is the extent of that verse. Whatsoever things. Uh, the certainty of the prayer it says, ye shall have them. And the condition of the prayer, that's the, the matter of faith. Believe. This is the starting point of, of, of prayer. The starting point of faith is, uh, is getting on Mark eleven twenty four ground and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you and pray specifically that you are leading trusting your leading and believe that you have heard and will bring your will to pass. You know, what's interesting, it, it doesn't say that you have to understand what's going on. You have to understand everything. Whatsoever things you pray, understand fully what you're praying about, and then you'll have it. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that you have to have enough resources or money. It doesn't say that you have to have a certain IQ or feel strong. It just says you have to believe simple faith. You know, when I think about my kids, um, I'm committed already to provide for them. I'm committed to give them an education, committed to protect them, committed to give them food and raiment and cover everything that they need, right? And yet I still like it when they come and ask me specifically for things. And, and they may get something specific that I hadn't even quite decided I was going to do. But because they came and asked, I want to help them with that. God is committed to our care, but he wants to hear specifically from us. He, he, he wants that relationship. I would, I would not like it if my kids didn't ever talk to me or didn't ever have, have anything to ask me. I want to know what's on their hearts. I want to engage with them. Faith is the only access to God's power. 
and a, a prayer that is going to be effective needs to be a prayer of faith. Hebrews 11:6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You have several examples in, in, the, uh, in the book here. Uh, you have uh, a couple of quotes I'll give you. Faith is the foundation of Christian character and the security of the soul. The foundation of Christian character and the security of the soul. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. The Lord was declaring a central truth. It was Peter's faith he was seeking to guard. For he knew that when faith is broken down, the foundations of spiritual life give way. And the entire structure of religious experience falls. Truly, prayer, simply put, is the expression of faith. It's saying, Lord, I believe you are powerful enough in this situation. I believe you can help me through this. I believe that you can give me the grace. I believe you can save them. And whatsoever thing you pray, when you pray, believe, God, you are big enough. I'm trusting you. And you'll begin to see God do some things. Prayer is simply the expression of faith. The faith which creates powerful praying is the faith which centers itself on a powerful person. You're coming to Lord Jesus and you're saying, God, I believe you can. I believe that you will. And I'm trusting you as a simple child to do what only you can do. An example is given to the book. I want to read it for you. Uh, a man was out in a field and, and uh, he sees this uh, pack of hounds chasing a little fawn. Fawn's running for his life and he could tell the fawn was out of gas. And uh, uh, remarkably, the fawn ran his direction and pushed his head between his legs. Comes up to the man and hides. <laughs> Puts his head between the man's legs. And... Uh, just then, he picked up that dog, and uh, not dog, the fawn, and held him close. The dogs came, and he began kicking them off and hitting them off and swinging around. And he says this, I felt just then that all the dogs in the West could not and should not capture that fawn after its weakness had appealed to my strength. So it is when the human helplessness appeals to Almighty God. Well, do I remember the hounds of sin were after my soul until at last I ran into the arms of Almighty God. I thought that was a great picture. This weak fawn has appealed to my strength and the dogs are not going to get her. And that's, in a sense, that's prayer. Lord, I can't do this. I am out of gas. I'm out of answers. I'm out of resources. I don't know what's going on, but I do have enough faith to come to you and trust you and I believe that you're going to work on my behalf. And God delights to do that. Faith is, is the starting point. So we looked at the, the starting point of faith. God loves to do the impossible. Um, you get this, this point with the lepers here in the book on page 5. Um, Thus the leper lay hold on the power of Christ 
Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And so there he is. He has got his eyes centered on a person. And he is putting his faith on a person. That's what we do in prayer. We're focusing ourselves on the person who really is in control. There are so many people in our life that we're concerned about. The boss or this person or that person. And in prayer, we get to tune them all out and focus on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the great physician. Whatever the doctor told me, that's another thing. I'm talking to the doctor of doctors, okay? Uh, Whatever the boss said that's got me all in a fit, I'm talking to the boss. Uh, You know, prayer is an opportunity to focus on the one who is in control. So it's the starting point of faith. Now let's look at number two, the PowerPoint of faith. And we're not talking about a PowerPoint presentation, okay? But the PowerPoint of faith, again, the strength of faith is that it centers itself upon the powerful person of Jesus Christ and what he can do. And as I mentioned, uh, we are like the fawn who uh, in our weakness appeals to his strength. Christ has been given all power to accomplish the Great Commission. You know, I have seen power in prayer. I hope you have. Um, I've seen the Lord break hearts that needed to be saved because people prayed. Um, I've seen God do things in, in nature because of prayer. Um, some remarkable things. I mean, I remember, uh, I, I've mentioned this to you before, but we were in Cambodia experiencing heat like I didn't know existed. And we were at the very end of the whole time. It was our last rally. We had rented the soccer field. We were going to do big ball soccer on this big soccer field. All these teenagers were there. The sun came out, not a cloud in the sky. The sun beat down on that soccer field, and it was uh, astroturf, you know? So it, it felt like it was melting, in the sun. And if you, bet, if you bent down and touched it, it would burn your hand. The astroturf would, you couldn't touch it with, with just your hand. And me and Matthew Weber, we set up the goals, blew up the big ball. Of course, it was so hot, we blew the big ball up halfway and let the sun do the rest, you know. Uh, and we were, we were dead before we even started. And so we said, well, let's, before the kids get to here, let's, let's just test out this big ball game and make sure that no one's going to have heat stroke. So Weber and I went out there with the ball. We hit it back and forth a couple of times and they were both laying on this hot astroturf, gasping for breath. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I said, this isn't going to work. He says, no. He says, I'm going to die. Like, seriously, one of us is going to die here in Cambodia doing big ball. Uh, no way. And so I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it or if I thought it or someone, but I remembered Mike Reddick talking about being in wherever he was, Philippines or something, and how hot it was, and he prayed for a cloud. And God gave him a cloud because he was noticing the people getting really restless and he was trying to preach the gospel and he prayed for a cloud and the cloud came over. And I thought, what do I have to lose? I mean, I'm not Mike Reddick, but hey, who's Mike Reddick? A sinner saved by grace? And I said, Weber, let's pray for a crowd, uh, for a cloud. 
And so we got the team together and we prayed for a cloud. And a cloud came in. I'm, I'm not kidding. A cloud came in and hung over that soccer field and a little breeze to cool us down. We played the game and then we went to the, there was this big, um, what do you want to call it? Like a picnic shelter kind of a thing. So it was, it was covered. When we got under there, it's like the Lord knew we didn't need the cloud anymore. And the cloud was gone. And we did our preaching underneath that shelter. Nobody had a, a, a heat stroke or anything like that. Um, at the time, it just seemed to, to so fit. I didn't even think about it. But afterwards, we're like, what did God just do? That's, that, that's amazing. God did this. Um, and and uh, it gave us great uh, hope and great confidence. God brought us here to do a job, to get the gospel to these people. And he knows our frame, and he knew we needed a little cloud, a little reprieve. Brought us a cloud. Uh, a lot of power in the Christian life is avoided because we don't pray. Uh, we don't run like the fawn to the Almighty God and in our weakness appeal to his strength. Anybody have a testimony of, of uh, a time where you saw the power of God specifically in answer to prayer? Does anything come to mind? Yes, ma'am. I was actually just thinking about this this morning, but Chris and I used to be soccer coaches and we used to coach for two little girls who were sisters, and later on, their parent, we also went to school with their parents, with their children as well as being their soccer coaches, and their parents were in the middle of adopting a child. And I had been praying for, with, with her for many, many, maybe over a year, and um, about the, the child that she was adopting was from China. And it was a lot of work, and they were in the middle of buying a house, and there was a lot of prayers going into it. And that day that her prayers were being, she was telling us that her prayers were being answered. She was um, at the table with all the leadership, and the leadership team was really busy working. But I was standing behind her listening to her prayer, and I, and so the leadership team was really busy, and I was like, tapped her on the shoulder, I was like, in tears, I had to give her a hug. I was like, I'm listening to your prayers, and I've been praying all this time with you, and like by ourselves, and like tears. And so she goes home to her husband, who um, knew Chris because of coaching, and she said, do you remember the coaches? You know, Hope and Sophia's coach? And, and he was like, yeah. And she said, he, she was so interested that we were praying, and, and her, she was so interested in the answer of prayers, and she just was telling her husband about it. And then the next, the one we saw her the next time, when I saw her, she came up to me, I just need to finish the story. So she told me the, the finishing of the story, and she said, one night, in the middle of the night, she woke up in the middle of the night, and she was in tears, and she thought that she heard her baby crying. So, like, a baby, not her baby, but a baby. And um, so told me her husband had gotten up, and she didn't know it, but he wrote down the date that it happened, that she had that prayer, and they called her. And they, when they found we called him Little Baby Joe. We didn't know his name or anything. When, when they found the baby Joe, he was actually crying that day. They found him behind, I believe it was a dumpster, the day that she woke up hearing the baby crying. And she was like in tears telling him about wow. it. And so that baby had, like we were praying for him. Mm -hmm. And they found him that day that she woke up in the room. Wow, that's amazing. 
That's amazing. God uses prayer in ways that we, we can't even understand. It blows our mind. Uh, and we, we, we miss out on those kinds of things when we, when we sell God short and we don't pray. Uh, E.M. Bounds was a guy who believed in prayer and the power of prayer. Let's look thirdly at the testing point of faith. And again, I'm not reading the chapter to you. Uh, I'm, I'm trusting that you all will be able to read the chapter on your own. In fact, in the handout, I think it has the next chapter. Yeah, there it is. So you don't even need to buy the book or, or, or download the book. This is the next chapter in the, in the handout. So uh, however you want to do it. So, the testing point of faith. There are two points by which faith is tested, according to uh, Bounds' book here. First of all, by obedience. By obedience. Uh, faith is obedient. It goes when commanded, as did the nobleman who came to Jesus in the day uh, of his flesh and whose son was grievously sick. Faith is obedient and faith acts. Uh, the man who was born blind goes to wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, Peter uh, on Gennesaret casts his net where Jesus commands. And, and, and so uh, faith takes action. Uh, uh, Lazarus, come forth. And here comes, I guess even a dead man had faith in that situation. Uh, uh, or or well, someone had faith for him anyway. But um, a praying faith keeps the commandments of God and does those things which are well-pleasing in its sight, and, and uh, one who is praying is willing also to, have, to put feet to their prayers. Uh, so this is one of the testing points, though, of our faith, is will we obey? Will we allow him to teach us in prayer and then uh, move on those things? Faith does not grow disheartened because prayer is not immediately honored. It takes God at his word and lets him take what time he chooses in fulfilling his purposes. But first, we obey, and then we are patient. Those are the two testing points of faith, obedience and patience. On the, on the, the, the point of obedience, uh, do we really believe uh, what we say we believe? When we, when we pray, um, uh, or, or when we pray by faith, the Bible says, if you, if you have faith, keep my commandments. And, and there are, there, that's the, one of the evidences of our faith is the willingness to obey. So we're tested by our obedience, but also we're tested by patience. Uh, there's trials, there's hardships, there's timelines that are not ours. And, and, and this really is probably the hardest thing, one of the hardest things about prayer. Is that we prayed and it didn't happen. God said, pray, and I prayed. He said, believe, and I believed. And then I got up my knees, and nothing happened. That's tough. And yet, that is uh, where we really learn to draw close to God and, and rest in Him and walk in faith in prayer. The, the, the case of Lazarus was an instance where there was delay, where the faith of two good women was sorely tried. Lazarus was critically ill. His sister sent for Jesus, but without any known reason, our Lord delayed his going to the relief of his sick friend. That's interesting. The plea was urgent as, and, and it was touching. Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. The master is not moved by it. Doesn't seem to be anyway. 
The women's earnest request seemed to fall on deaf ears. This is a trial to their faith. Furthermore, our Lord's tardiness appeared to bring about disaster. Lazarus dies. While Jesus tarried, Lazarus de de departed this earth. And they said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. He says, fear not. He says, I am, he says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go into him. That's, that would have been so confusing if you were there. <laughs> Lord, Lazarus is dead? Yeah, Lazarus is dead. And I'm very glad for your sakes that I wasn't there to heal him. Let's go see him. <laughs> what? What is this? What are we going to do now? We're just going to go to the funeral? Bring food? He says, I've got something I'm going to do. You know, one of the things about faith is that God will use the timeline to really grow our faith and to draw us closer uh, to himself. He had something that he was going to do. And it was going to be epic. Lazarus, come forth. And out he comes from the grave. Yeah, that's better than a healing. I mean, who wants a healing when you have a resurrection, right? <laughs> uh, but what an agony they had to go through. The grief that they went through. The despair. The hopelessness. And folks, it should teach us this. That when God delays, it does not mean that he is deaf to us. It does not mean that we are barking up the wrong tree, if I can put it that way. It doesn't mean that he's done. And I think there's another application that we could take from this. You know, there may be people that we have prayed for to be healed that God chose not to heal. While I would not encourage you to expect a resurrection like Lazarus, I would encourage you to expect God not to be done in your situation. Lord, we prayed for so-and-so. You didn't heal them and you took them. And maybe the Lord is saying, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there in a sense. You know, that I did not heal them because I've got something else I'm doing. Keep trusting me. Keep looking to me. This isn't over yet. Yes? I've been praying, except for that God adds this to it. Told me he did heal my mom completely. Amen. He did. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things about uh, going home to be with the Lord is you are healed. Yes. There's more that he is still doing, and and you can trust him for that. He has a Lazarus come forth kind of a moment, maybe for somebody in your family or so, something that he is still working. And so faith needs to continue to trust him through the trial, past the trial, and regardless of the, of the time frame. Yes? I think the Lord's helped me at times to see that my, you know, to encourage me to keep praying in faith and to see what he's doing and to participate and cooperate with what he's doing. But there have been times that I'm praying that I've come under the conviction that really I'm complaining. Mm. And I'm complaining about what the Lord's done and what he's doing and he's not doing things on my timeline. And, so there were times that I've been rebuked in my prayer and recognized that I've, I've crossed outside of the zone of being in faith and looking to him and, and, and really uh, to, a, to a complaint and really not satisfied almost with what he's done. And 
what he's doing and not seems to not be doing. And, and so I think it can be interesting how we can be praying, <laughs> but then we've, uh, you know, it's really not where we're supposed to be. And I think that there's times that in my life I've known that I've been praying for something. It's like, well, the Lord seems to be doing something very different mm-hmm. and it's okay to change my prayer. And it may not have been how I wanted things to go, but I can see that God is clearly working and moving and directing in a way that I wouldn't have preferred. But I can see that, and, and then you get that retrospective look sometime later of saying, now I can see what he was doing. And, and really, it's something to praise his name over. Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, prayer is the expression of faith, but prayer is also the agony of the road of faith you know, this whole timetable and expectations. And sometimes we, we really want to impose our will on the situation and how we think it should go. And, and that really can cloud our, our, our thinking and so forth. Um, uh, but we need to just continue to pray in faith, trusting him that even the timing, even a delay is, is something that God is using. It says here, delay is often the test and the strength of faith. It's both. How much patience is required when these times of testing come? Yet faith gathers strength by waiting and praying. That's a good perspective by Bounds. It's not that we're weakening. Oh, it's been 20 years or whatever. No, faith can be growing and deepening. Faith gathers strength by waiting and praying. Patience has its perfect work in the school of delay. In some instances, delay is the very essence of the prayer. God has to do many things antecedent to giving the final answer, things which are essential to the lasting good of him who is requesting favor at his hands. And he gives the example of Jacob and Esau. And Jacob wrestled with God that night before he saw Esau. What a prayer. That was like a prayer that was a wrestling match. And at the end of it, he had his, his uh, hip dislocated. Uh, but that was a time of God doing a work in Jacob. He changes his name, and he, he changes even the, his, his gait. <laughs> now he's limping, and he's reminded every time he walks of the Lord that he wrestled with. And, and God, God says, uh, it says it this way, Jacob had to be made into a new man before Esau could be. Jacob had to be converted to God in a sense before Esau could be converted to Jacob. And so uh, as we wrestle with the Lord, remember, we want it now, we want it now, we want it now. But God says, if I give it to you now, maybe you're not ready right now. So we're going to take some time. And, and we're going to let this process, this delay happen so that you're ready for what you're praying for. Many times we're not as ready as we think we are. So there's, a, there's much testing in prayer, uh, the test of obedience, and we are also tested uh, by our, our patience. The final point, and I'm... Uh, Okay, good. I thought I had these confused. The, number four is the living point. The living point of faith. <clears throat> we'll read John 14, 12 through 14. 
says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, so what is this matter of asking in his name? What does it mean? If you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. Does that mean we just tack on Jesus' name to anything? Uh, do this in Jesus' name. Do that in Jesus' name. And what, what is it, the idea of asking in his name? Aligning to God's will. What? Aligning to God's will. Aligning with God's will. All right, that's good. His authority. Excellent, by his authority. Yeah. Uh, we're coming to the throne of grace boldly because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're coming in his name. So yeah, by his, by his authority, we're, we're asking for his will, aligning with his will. Other thoughts there? Yep. His will too, because his word reminds us of it all the time. Trusting? Yep, because we're, we're, we're looking to, we're saying this is in his name, it's not on our behalf, we're trusting in him. Good. Other thoughts? All right, yeah, these are good. But I, I like that point that you mentioned, Cindy, about um, uh, the authority. When we, are, when we are talking to God, we're not coming on our authority. In the name of John Barber, Lord, do this and this and this. Uh, no, not at all. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, for the sake of Jesus Christ, uh, for the furtherance of Jesus Christ, uh, the will of Jesus Christ, we are asking for God to do whatever it is. So obviously that implies a submission of my will to his and a submission of my agenda to his. And, and so that kind of helps us with this verse so that we don't just take it and go crazy with it. I want that Lamborghini in Jesus' name. All right. And if you're watching on live stream, put your hands on my hands. And pray, uh, no, uh, no, you know, we, 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 we get carried away, right, uh, with, with some verses that some people like to just uh, take into the health, wealth, and prosperity thing that God just wants to give you all the Lamborghinis that you want and so forth. Um, and uh, no, he wants his will, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants us as Christians to be sensitive enough spiritually to see what is going on. What is he doing to get a heart through his word and through his spirit of what he's trying to accomplish and to get in line with that, to bow to that and pray and say, Lord, this is what your word says and this is what I believe you'd have me to pray and I believe this is your will because the Bible says it's your will and, and I'm, I'm praying very specifically in Jesus' name with his authority, Lord, would you do this? And we need to live that way. Quote from the book, <clears throat> If Jesus dwell at the fountain of my life, it, uh, if the currents of his life have displaced and superseded all self-currents, if implicit obedience to him be the inspiration and force of every movement of my life, then he can safely commit uh, to, to, to this prayer that I'm praying and pledge himself 
by an obligation as profound as his own nature that whatsoever is asked shall be granted. And it's not that any of us are ever so perfectly surrendered or so perfectly spirit-filled that now, oh, I've slipped into this place that I know the will of God. I don't think we should ever get to a place where that can easily be pride. But the point is surrender. I am surrendering myself, surrendering what I will, and Jesus prayed that way, right? Not as I will, but that thy will be done. And we need to constantly in prayer be surrendering our will to his and saying, Lord, I am praying in your name for your glory in this situation. And this will make a difference. Faith, as it says here in the book, dispels all undue anxiety and needless care about what shall be eaten, what shall be drunk, what shall be worn. Faith lives in the present and regards the day as being sufficient under the evil thereof. It lives day by day and dispels all the fears of tomorrow. Faith brings great ease of mind and perfect peace to the heart. This is the living point of faith. In other words, as we're praying, we're trying to yield to His will, to pray in His name, and daily pray. Today, there's enough to pray for today than to be anxious about all that's coming tomorrow. Uh, Live daily, uh, prayerfully. Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee because He trusteth in Thee. He made some great points in the book on this, on this point. And uh, he says, we're so, so often too enamored with the prayers of tomorrow and the needs of tomorrow. And we need to live daily, continually pray. Uh, he says, um, we don't live in tomorrow, we live in today. We don't seek tomorrow's grace or tomorrow's bread. They thrive best and get most out of life who live in the present. They pray best who pray for today's needs before tomorrow's uh, and, and which may render our prayers unnecessary and redundant by not existing at all. A lot of times we're praying and worrying about things and tomorrow and next week that aren't even going to happen. Not that you can never pray for tomorrow, not that you can never pray for next week, but I think his point is this. Sometimes um, there's a lot of anxiety in our prayers. You know, we're, we're praying because we're worried about all this stuff that's coming and he's saying, you know, if we're really walking by faith and praying by faith, we can, we can pray day by day. This is the living point of faith, as it is described here, uh, praying daily. Um, bread given for today is the strongest sort of pledge that there will be bread given tomorrow. Victory today is the assurance of victory tomorrow. Our prayers need to be focused on the present. We must trust God today and leave the morrow entirely with him. The present is ours. The future belongs to God. Prayer is the task and duty of each recurring day, daily prayer for daily needs. Living by faith and prayer. How do we feed and grow our faith? It's a question here. Uh, how do we feed and grow our faith? This is very basic, but, uh, you know, he's talking about just living day by day. Many of us that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't know about that. But how do, you, how do you come to this place of simplicity? That's what he's describing, a simple life. I pray for today. I'm not saying, I don't think he never prayed for something in the future. But he said this is his, his emphasis. How do we feed our faith? Yeah. Be content with what the Lord gives you at that, uh, at that 
time because he knows certain things that you prayed for. The Lord knows you're not ready for it yet, and he's always perfect when it's time for him. If it is his will to give it to you, he might tell you no, too. Yeah. The thing is, it's just be content with what the Lord's gave you and what you got and what you're dealing with. Sure. And move forward from there. Contentment? He'll open the doors for you. Yeah. Because discontentment would be the opposite of that. Discontentment will, will rob you of your faith. It'll undermine your faith. So contentment for sure. And we feed our faith very basically by the word of God, first of all. And then by exercising our faith. You have to work a muscle, okay, to see it grow. And we exercise our faith by being disciplined in the praying daily and, and meeting with him, giving time to prayer says this, as every day demands its bread, so every day demands its prayer. No amount of praying done today will suffice for tomorrow's praying. That jumped off the page to me. Because I thought, there are some weeks where I look at the week and I'm like, okay, Tuesday was pretty poor. And uh, Wednesday morning, yeah, that got shot. But I really prayed on Thursday and Friday was, you know, and Monday was good. And uh, he's saying, oh, that's over with. Every day you need to meet with God. You need to pray without ceasing. And don't think that because you had a good prayer day last week that I don't have to pray so much this week. His point is no amount of praying done today will suffice for tomorrow's praying. You still got to pray tomorrow. On the other hand, no praying for tomorrow was any value of us today. Today's manna is what we need. Tomorrow God will see that our needs are supplied. This is the faith which God seeks to inspire. So leave tomorrow with its cares, its needs, its troubles in God's hands. There is no storing up tomorrow's grace or tomorrow's praying, neither is there any laying up of, uh, of today's grace to meet tomorrow's necessities. Last phrase in the chapter here, and we'll be closing shortly. We cannot have tomorrow's grace. We cannot eat tomorrow's bread. We cannot do tomorrow's praying. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And most assuredly, if we possess faith, Sufficient also will be the good. Let us make sure that we are living this way, living out each day, walking by faith in prayer. Prayer is the expression of a faith that we're living out to God. This is why it says pray without ceasing, because without ceasing, we should be walking by faith. Without ceasing, we should be taking one step of faith after the next, and prayer is just the expression of that faith. Uh, may God help us to do that. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. May God increase our faith in prayer. Final thoughts, questions, anything? All right. Lord, thank you for this lesson. Thank you for uh, Ian Bounds and the book uh, that he wrote, or books really. And I pray that we would learn how to pray as, as, as you would have us and as you taught your disciples. And I pray, God, that we would uh, truly pray by faith, that prayer would be the expression of our faith. Give us victory personally, praying without ceasing, and, and also in our personal devotional prayer time. Lord, may we have a, a, a good uh, structure and plan for that. And Lord, will we see your power see you do things that maybe we have never seen before as a result of prayer. Help us to bear one another's burdens. Pray with each other and for each other. Lord, would you use us? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, folks. We will send out another email with a link to the book if you missed it. Uh, but again, you've got uh, the, the chapters in your handout as well. God bless you.